trying to make it real compared to what Welcome to the Janice Adams Show. This is our summer pledge drive and we're live here in studio. Jason Dole and I are here together today. Hi Janice, it's good to be back here with you. Oh, it's another pledge edition. Another year, another pledge, another opportunity to celebrate, promote, preserve, protect, and defend WJF yeah. and community radio. Indeed, indeed it is. And, and in these times, you know, um, and when people hear what we're doing on today's show, they'll understand how's, how much uh, we were thinking about all the stuff that's going on around us. And, you know, now that we are enemies of the people and how we really have Meaning to, as the media. As yeah. media, <laughs> as media. Um, and and not at all, in, in in fact, not at all. Um, it's it's not funny. It is tragic, but it is a reminder of how important public broadcasting is. Public radio is WJFF is not only to our listening environment, but honestly, Jason, I think these days, I think to our sanity. Mm. Mm. And another reminder I'd like to put out there, because this is the summer uh, pledge drive, this might also be the first time uh, this year that people are in the area listening to the Janice Adams show right now. So, again, uh, it's important to have the Democratic Forum to shore up the Democratic institutions, the forum of people exchanging ideas and using the public media. And it's important to have WJFF, the station that brings you the Janice Adams show. So if you're just uh, joining us in the area for the first pledge drive of the year for you, uh, you've got a whole other opportunity right now to uh, support WJFF. Listener supported radio, WJFF. The number 845-482-4141. 845-482-4141. So you said it's a big topic. So what is the topic today? Well, for our Independence Day weekend, I thought that we would focus on uh, an extraordinary um, movement that is taking place, growing around the country, called Move to Amend. And the purpose of Move to Amend is to amend the U.S. Constitution with a 28th Amendment. Yes, folks, we have 27. Um, but, but currently, currently 27. Currently. We are long overdue for the Equal Rights Amendment. But today we are talking about the proposed 28th Amendment, which is from the organization Move to Amend. And here's the goal that they lay out very succinctly. Why do we need to build a democracy movement? Why abolish corporate constitutional rights? We move to amend. Move to amend is committed to building a movement that revokes the illegitimate authority of corporate rule. We seek the passage of a 28th Amendment to, one, end corporate constitutional rights, two, make it clear that money is not speech. This work is in the people's hands. Indeed, they invite you to join them for movetoamend.org. And we're here today because we are inviting you to join us in this journey called 
listener-sponsored, listener-supported radio, WJFF. And just a bit about the Janice Adams Show. Jason mentioned that for those of you who may be weekenders um, or your first summer in the Catskills and you haven't heard the show before, thanks for listening today. But the Janice Adams Show, we brought to WJFF three years ago now. Can you imagine, Jason? Yes. (laughs) I'm over here counting on my fingers and toes. Uh, and I checked, and that means that we've done about 150 broadcasts wow. of the show. And the theme of the Janice Adams show is it's a show about race, every race, and courage. And that is really, I think, it, it's becoming, we started the show in the uptick to the 2016 election, and that theme has just... Uh, been borne out in ways that even we didn't fully anticipate it would be when we launched the show. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been a roller coaster uh, both on air and off air, and it's just been uh, it's such a great it's a great resource to have the Janice Adams Show here on WJFF. So again, if you appreciate having this program here, give us a call at eight four five four eight two four one four one. The topic is uh, proposed twenty eighth amendment. To the Constitution, and the group is moved to amend. And our guest today on the show is George Friday. Yes, it's a she. We'll talk about that during the show. But George Friday, and she is the co-convener of MoveToAmend.org. So let's get started. We the people, not the corporations. That's the message today with our guest, George Friday. George, welcome to the show. Thanks, Janice. Tell us about Move to Amend. What is it? Why did you decide to do it? I'm going to start first with why we decided to do it and in that, let you know what it is. In 2009, several organizations and activists that had relationships with each other over many years saw the Citizens United case was gonna be decided by the Supreme Court. So we saw that as an opportunity to expose that and hopefully raise the stakes on what does it mean in this country to have a real democracy and a functioning democracy and are we ceding power to those who have more money than others and then us. So we founded Move to Amend. Now we didn't found it in the fall of 2009 because there were 10, 11 people in the room, I was the only person who wasn't white. That's not what our country looks like. That's not gonna help us get to democracy. So we moved that forward, we came together, reached out to people and created the Move to Amend Coalition. And Move to Amend is not in itself an organization. We are a collection of individuals, affiliates across the country, and organizations that absolutely know that as long as corporations call the shots, in our government, we the people have no voice. We haven't had a voice for a long time. For many of us, we've never had a functioning democracy. We certainly don't have one now. Move to Amend is helping us to create the 28th Amendment, which will make it constitutionally clear corporations are not human beings with the right of human beings, and money is not speech. I want to start back a little bit. Really specifically for people who don't know and define Citizens United, why some people thought it was a good idea and why you feel it's a threat to democracy. 
going to move to amend.org is a great resource. We've got fantastic information there. The thing I find most helpful is the timeline of how we got to the 2010 decision of corporations or people. Reading from Wikipedia, to cite my very quick source, Citizens United versus the Federal Election Commission is a landmark U.S. constitutional law, campaign finance, and corporate law case dealing with regulation of political campaign spending by organizations. The United States Supreme Court held on January 21st, 2010, that the free speech clause of the First Amendment to the Constitution prohibits the government from restricting independent expenditures for communications by nonprofit corporations, for profit corporations, labor unions, and other associations. In the case, the conservative nonprofit organization Citizens United sought to air a film critical of Hillary Clinton and to advertise the film during television broadcasts shortly before the 2008 Democratic primary election in which Clinton was running for president. The federal law, however, prohibited any corporation or labor union from making an electioneering communication defined as a broadcast ad reaching over 50,000 people in the electorate within 30 days of a primary or 60 days of an election, or making any expenditure advocating the election or defeat of a candidate at any time. The court found that these provisions of the law conflicted with the U.S. Constitution. The court upheld requirements, however, for public disclosures by sponsors of advertisements. The case did not affect the federal ban on direct contributions from corporations or unions to candidate campaigns or political parties. The decision was highly controversial, to say the least, and remains a subject of widespread public discussion. More from our guest, George Friday, coming up after this break here on our Summer Pledge Edition of the Janice Adams Show. Call now to support WJFF at 845-482-4141. Trying to make it real compared to what... We're back with our guest, George Friday, and she is here to discuss move to amend. And I said that because, George, I mistakenly um, went with your name, which is not your full identity. Tell us about George Friday. Oh, Lord. Um, It was fun to be George when I was younger, around all my brothers and in school to mess with the nuns or the teachers. And even in college, it just, well, Janice, this is an odd thing to share and will maybe trip people out. You might, but thank God you can cut it if you choose to. I had a rebel flag on my wall in college at UNC Chapel Hill. So part of my raison d'etre growing up was to make people go, huh? So George Friday is part of continuing that tradition. Because you know, a bad big black girl with a rebel flag on her dorm wall at UNC Chapel Hill, it was awesome. And it (laughs) sure made everybody go, huh? I loved it. 
Okay, so I'll bite. You loved it, but why did you put it up there? Because I'm a rebel. Number one, that was part of it. And I wanted people to know that it was a, I probably was the only black person on the dorm, Granville Towers, 10th floor. And I wanted the white people to know something is different here. And you might get to know what it is if I choose to let you know, but you better not make assumptions. So to me, that's what it was about. I don't know if that worked for everybody. It worked for me. And of course, I didn't care very much about everybody else. Okay, so let's talk about the parents who gave us the gift of George Friday. My mom um, was pregnant 13 times in 17 years. She had seven children that were born alive. She was very poor and remembers and told us growing up at least three times when she had babies that needed help of someone saying, well, that's just a nigger baby, let it die. Oh, this is a good thing. She taught me this awesome thing, Janice Adamson, worth everybody knowing. I learned that I can have a positive experience with anybody for a defined period of time. So I can hang out with a hardcore right wing, you know, I hate people that love choice. I hate queers person for about four minutes, but I can do it and it'll be beautiful. Okay. My dad was awesome. He drove a tractor trailer truck, which taught me how to do the same. I got to be all the tomboy I wanted to be with my dad. And I don't mean, I don't know if that's a term that people even use anymore or what it means for people, but it meant that I got to be all the male of me. And I've got plenty of male and plenty of female and I feel all good about it. I drove the truck for a while after college. I took some time and drove across country with dad. Dad, that was awesome, except I didn't like not taking showers twice a day and oil under my nails. And I did have a fit in the mountains of Arizona where I thought we were gonna die because the roads were frozen. We had to pull off the highway because they closed the highway. My dad was using nitroglycerin to keep the gas okay. Nitroglycerin and fuel. I was sure it was over, it was a trip. Uh, but dad grew up in Lincoln County, North Carolina at the time when the Grand Dragon was in the county and he had lots of things that were so hard for him to deal. I've got a short story about my dad. You want to hear it? It'll take about three minutes. I want to hear it, but before we do, I just want to be very clear. We're talking Grand Dragon Ku Klux Klan. That's right. Okay. The Grand Dragon of the... And they had a... They had Parades every year, go down the street. My grandpa would take his hunting rifle and stand on the sidewalk. I didn't know how much it meant. We didn't get to go off the porch. Grandpa would walk on the sidewalk with his hunting rifle on his shoulder during the parade. And I never thought what that was about till I got to be like a teenager. Didn't talk about any to anybody because grandpa was dead then. And that was my mom's dad, not my dad's dad. But dad, here's a lesson I learned about dad as an adult. George, why did your grandfather do that? Well, it was his, you know, he never spoke about it. He was super quiet. He was a janitor at a mill and he would just say they're ugly. That's all he would say. And he would just say, they're just so ugly talking about the clan. Of course. And no one said, grandpa, why are you going out with your hunting rifle? I never heard a word from the time I was a little beaner, little tiny little, you know, bean of a baby, which is what my grandma called me because of the color of my skin. And, um, until, you know, I left home 
he, well, or until they stopped doing the parades, which did stop in the 70s. But not till the 70s. I went to a segregated school in 1966. So much for Brown versus Board of Education. But I'm telling you about my dad's story. This is the lesson I learned from my dad. So when I was uh, in my 30s, I was in North Carolina doing, and which is where I live. But I'd moved back home. And I was doing organizing a small town, Kannapolis. And I did a lot of traveling. So I wasn't at my house that much. Across the street from me lived Mr. and Mrs. Roseman. And Mrs. Roseman worked with our local community organi organization. She'd come visit me when I was home every week or so. Sometimes she'd bring me food or I'd go to her house and she'd cook and we'd chat. So one Saturday morning I was home and I was just missing Miss Roseman, hadn't seen her for a while. I'd been home since Thursday. So I just walked, sashayed myself over to Miss Roseman's house and just walked in the back door like I was family. And she wasn't there. Mr. Roseman was there and he was standing at the sink. And so I spoke to him and started chatting, just jabbering about things. Cause I was, you know, hadn't seen them for a while and I missed people. And Mr. Roseman physically, it was about the same age as my dad and physically like my dad. My dad, very large man, very tall, maybe six, five, chocolate, chocolate, brown skin, very, very dark and large, you know, over 250 pounds as I am too. And I'm not that tall though. And um, Mr. Roseman didn't look at me. He kept looking at the dishes and looking out the window. And I was jabbering and I kept noticing that he just wasn't making eye contact with me. So I slowed down my pace of talking, started talking not so fast, started not, and I'd been looking at him since I walked through the door because I walked in looking for Miss Roseman. So I stopped looking at him. I looked out the window and I looked on the floor. And after a while, Janice, he started looking at me. And I, there was something about that that just struck me about my dad too. Because my dad felt to me growing up that my dad deferred to white people and deferred to power because he didn't always look people in the eye at first. He was quiet. He made himself small. And I think there's many ways, Janice Adams, that I'm a large person because I saw my dad as bigger than life and as a rescuer, but he made himself small and he did that to survive because it's the way he looked physically, he was the epitome of the black slave stock. Mm -hmm. And if he was fully himself and fully strong, he would not have survived in a county where the Grand Dragon lives and they lynched people. And he, would, he showed us the roads, you don't go down that road, blah, 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 was lynched down that road in 1940, blah. Somebody that was lynched over here in 1960 blah. That we did hear. We didn't hear why dad, grandpa took the squirrel rifle out to the street, but we heard about where people were lynched. And so I learned that lesson in my early thirties in terms of the power that my dad had and the respect that I cared for him. Cause growing up as a teen, you're not that psyched that your dad's not as badass as he could be. Cause you know, if you see him as a badass, but other people see him as a, quiet person. And there were growing up, I'd say I heard maybe three or four times adults say things that would be heard now as homophobic about my dad, about the way he walked or his voice or crap like that. So that's my dad and my mom. It did mm -hmm. take longer than I hoped, but sorry. I'm glad you told that story. Thank you.
You're listening to The Janice Adams Show this week, talking about the group Move to Amend. We'll go right back to the interview, just pausing to remind you, this is a pledge drive edition of The Janice Adams Show here during WJFF Summer Pledge Drive. We want you to call to support this program and all the great programs that WJFF brings to you. Call now, give what you can at 845-482-4141. That's 845-482-4141. Support The Janice Adams Show. Support WJFF. Listening to you tell that story, I am thinking not so much about the 2016 election, but the fact that Citizens United comes as a decision in 2010, which is in the middle of the Obama administration. It is still a predominantly Republican court, and it is a court that is in sync with a Congress that has set its sights on Obama having only one term and the politics of no. Now here we are in looking at some of the repercussions of this Citizens United decision in the era of Take America Back. That story that you just told deserves a conversation about what America was and what the dangers of taking America back to are. Would you speak to that? So I would postulate that America being a safe and potentially prosperous and welcoming place for people like me lasted maybe 20, 30 years. So it wasn't a long time because it certainly wasn't the 60s, the 70s, maybe sometime in the 80s. Um, And ended with no later or no, no, yes, no later than about 2006, 2007, before the crash of 2008. So that's me thinking we didn't have more than 30 years where we were sort of okay. And now taking it back, because 30 years of white folks not feeling like they were all in control, that's how it feels to me. That's how it comes through my lens. But when we're talking about what's happening with the House or the Senate or the elections, that in my thinking, George Friday's thinking, is a bit being played because once Citizens United was real, and I'd invite people to research their elected officials' voting records, it wasn't about what party you're in. It was about who is paying for you because the Democrats have taken just, well, maybe not to the penny as much, but tons of money from the corporations that are trying to influence their decision-making as the Republicans. So I think we get into a us and them. Um, I don't want to call it a false uh, narrative or a false debate, but it doesn't encourage us to build the kind of power that we need 
to have a functioning democracy. So what that looks like when it comes to the election arena is focusing on local elections where people can't be bought because at some point everybody can be bought. And in sort of a catch-22 situation, once you're in DC, it's all about raise. It's all about raising money. All the time, all the energy. You've got to raise the money. So it's like if you're not taking the money from the corporations who are influencing you, you're not going to win. And it's just a never-ending foolishness. But folks who are running for school board, or county commissioner, or city council, more likely to be people you can have some influence on in terms of that kind of power. Otherwise, our, when it comes to the national arena. Our focus is on, or I recommend the focus is on getting enough unity among ourselves to take that power and say, no, you're not going to be beholden to corporations. You are going to be accountable to we, the people. And that's a huge amount of work that we're not doing now. So when it looks to projecting to the next election, you know, vote in your best interest, do your research and be aware that your candidate is up for sale. I can't say, but they're definitely for sale because they gotta be, and the corporations aren't ignoring them. It does suck, but this is where we are. So how does Move to Amend um, work with or not work with the movement for campaign finance reform? Well, um, there are, certainly individuals and some organizations that would describe themselves as part of the movement for campaign finance reform that we have relationships with, some of which uh, we've worked with in the past. And there may be folks who are maybe even in the room in um, Marin County back in 2009. But a big difference and possibly conflict, and I'll name the conflict after I say the difference, is not insisting that not only do we want to take money out of politics, but corporations are not to have the rights and privileges of human beings. They are not people. And both those things have to be together. That's one that's in overall principle that is different, I'd say, because not everyone who's doing campaign finance reform cares about corporate personhood. They care about campaign finance reform, and they may talk about, use the language of corporate personhood because it resonates with people they're trying to raise money from, or they're constantly raising money from, which is annoying. But they're not actually about that. They're about just limiting how much money's in elections. And that's not a thorough fix. It's a remedy. It's a Band-Aid. But it doesn't stop the fact that corporations would still have all of the rights and privileges of the Constitution. Not cool. The other thing in terms of, so that's the difference in terms of the ask, the overall wish. And then when it comes to tactics, I mentioned that we need to build the power and the unity to change the constitution. That is work, that is organizing work. You can't do that by sending out emails or hosting conferences. That happens by doing organizing. So, for us to achieve the power to change the constitution, we need to do organizing. And that organizing happens on the ground. Our affiliates do most of that organizing. We train our affiliates. 
to do that work. We come through barnstorming tours through those areas in the country where people are expanding their um, numbers and deepening their leadership. So we need broad and deep coalitions and communities where we're building the kind of relationships where we can win together. And it doesn't matter whether someone's um, progressive or conservative. I don't, or left wing or right wing. I think people use those terms too. I really try to stay away from those. Although if I had to describe myself, it's clearly not conservative. You spoke about organizing and the need to organize, but how one does it. You come to this work though, as an organizer yourself, what actually is your background? What were you, how did you become the George Friday who co- is co-convener of Move to Amend? I have a fundamental philosophy that's Catholic. I am Catholic. And so I you know, want to, all the best for all humans and all beings unto seven generations. That is the prayer and the, that's the root. So after college, I thought, I want to work for peace because peace is everything. It's not racism. It's not sexism. It's not homophobia. It's not anti or pro-choice. It's not, it's, you know, it's about justice in my brain. Peace was that. So my first job out of college was at a place called SANE and then it became SANE Freeze and now it's Peace Action. And I'm still affiliated with Peace Action. That makes me feel happy. Um, so in 1990, that was my first job out of college, so 1987 or so. In 1990, here in North Carolina, a groovy man called Harvey Gant ran for Senate against an evil mofo <laughs> called Jesse Helms. <laughs> and I was living in D.C. and working and happy, but... Part of us having justice, all of us having justice, is all of us doing our work. So to my mind, my work was to make sure I didn't have to be here. So I made, you know, make some connections back home and said, you know, basically wanting to say, yeah, we got this, George, you don't need to come home. (laughs) Sadly, that was not the response that I got. The response was, yeah, come, we got work you got to do. And I started doing organizing work within a group called the Piedmont Peace Project working in the 13th congressional, 12th congressional district in North Carolina, which is huge, 12 counties, or yes, or 19 counties, a lot of counties. So I did lots of driving around and talking to people and organizing, which is one-to-one or one-to-four. It's relationship building, it's trust building, it's helping people connect to and expand their own vision of justice or change. And sometimes, Janice Adams, it is magic and it's awesome. So I did that for a long time. Um, And actually everything I've done since that work has been a connection or an outgrowth of that work of organizing in North Carolina with the Piedmont Peace Project, which is what I was doing when I went to visit the Rosemans. It was years after that though. Mm -hmm. Um, And then started doing training uh, with folks on a national level and consulting. So that's my organizing. I, in 1995, I remember this, I started reaching out. I started trying to identify what are the best ways to achieve the vision of peace and justice I cared about. 
that's when I started getting connected with people like the program on corporations, law and democracy, the Center for Media and Democracy. Yes. And the Independent Progressive Politics Network. That was all post 95. When I started really pushing for how do I do this on a national level, I'd already connected with Peace Action. So then meeting those people and all of that led to Move to Amend. And since then, Move to Amend has been a big focus of my time and energy. Not paid work, but I said to someone recently, I never gave birth, but if I did give birth to anything, it was Move to Amend. And I was consciously not ever gonna be a mother, but mm -hmm. I'm happy to be the mother of Move to Amend. Giving birth to Move to Amend, how did that happen? Well, it was what was going on with FEC and Citizens United. And I didn't know much about the legal case. And frankly, Janice, I consciously pull myself away from such things because when I've learned about both history in this country and the legal decisions that affect people, I'm not happy with what I learned. And I need to take care of my mental health. So that was sometime during, between July and September. And then in about September and October, we started talking about getting together and talking about what, not what needed to happen to fix something because we knew our democracy was way broken. And we knew that even the great work that we were doing in our different circles of influence in and of itself were not gonna result in what we needed. And I don't know if we identified when we came together that we needed a whole new constitution, although that was in the back of my mind, not in the front of my mind. I don't think I said that out loud until sometime in 2010. So we did come together because we thought, and most people I think agree with this, that if you see a problem in a certain way, you imagine that if more people saw the truth of the situation, they would act to remedy it. And that's what we saw as the core opportunity. So my giving birth or helping to birth, move to amend, was about creating a vessel, a vehicle for people to both realize the actual truth about the country that we live in that hasn't been, is not now, and hasn't been in a very, very long time, a functional democracy that is just and fair with equality for all, to be able to really have a vehicle that exposes that to people and provides the training and the support and the relationship to begin to remedy it. And that's what I saw being part of and seeing it over time becoming more and more of what it needs to be. Thank you. When we come back, more with our guest, George Friday, co-convener of Move to Amend, the path to the 28th Amendment, strategic plan to pass the We the People Amendment to the Constitution. More with George after the break. Trying to make it real compared to what... We're back with our guest, George Friday, and she is the co-convener of Move to Amend, an organization that has as its mission a path to the 28th Amendment 
to the U.S. Constitution, the We the People Amendment. George, what's in the amendment? The First Amendment is about corporations do not have, the first section, corporations do not have constitutional rights. The second section, money is not free speech. And it was introduced in the Senate um, as House Joint Resolution 48. We expect it to be reintroduced. You know, I talked all that junk about the uh, Senate and House, and I stand by it, absolutely. But at the moment, we're going to have to, those are the people we have to work with to get um, to get it in the House and Senate, because that is one of the paths to getting an amendment. So House Resolution 48 is what I would be reading to you. And the first Please. section says that the rights protected by the Constitution of the United States are the rights of natural persons only. There's a definition of natural persons. Artificial entities, which a corporation is, established by the laws of any state, the United States, or any foreign state, shall have no rights under this Constitution. And they're subjected to regulation by the people through federal, state, or local law not crazy. The privileges of artificial entities shall be determined by the people through federal, state, or local law and shall not be constructed to be inherent or inalienable. <sighs> it makes me happy to say that out loud. Corporations should not have inalienable rights. It's just so logical. And then section two, money is not free speech. Federal, state, and local government shall regulate, limit, or prohibit contributions and expenditures including a candidate's own contributions and expenditures to ensure that all citizens, regardless of their economic status, have access to the political process and that no person gains as a result of their money substantially more access or ability to influence in any way the election of any candidate for public office or any ballot measure. Federal, state, and local government shall require that any permissible contributions and expenditures be publicly disclosed. The judiciary shall not construe the spending of money to influence elections to be speech under the First Amendment. Boom, mic drop. And in this particular time, with not only political stalemate at every turn, but right. with some of the extreme conservatism, how likely is an amendment to pass? We still can't get the Equal Rights Amendment. We still can't get other amendments that are human rights driven through the state legislatures, sufficient number of state legislatures to be enacted into law. I think that's three quarters. We cannot get that yet. How likely, therefore, if one goes the amendment route, is it that we'll get what we need that the We the People Amendment proposes? Our tenure plan that you've got there outlines, and I talked about earlier, we have to build the power for the amendment. We haven't gotten the power yet, and that power is in the people. That means that local municipalities, little towns, states, and regions have to decide that they want the 28th Amendment. Now, when we've polled this, 
and it's been polled in many different places, conservative places, more progressive places. It polls in the 70s that people want this particular language that's in the, our 28th Amendment, that's in um, House Resolution 48. But do we have the kind of unity and relationships across the political spectrum to be able to force, and we are gonna have to force them, Janice, there are very few elected officials in my mind are gonna come on our side because they know the right thing. Although we do have great um, congressional reps, we need to get senators, but we got great congressional reps, like in the 50s or so or 60s that are with us. So that's good. But we're gonna have to force some of them to vote our way and that happens through organizing. So where we have affiliates, those affiliates are about the business of building relationships with other organizations, younger people, people of color, people who are getting their butts kicked locally by the effects of corporate power. And that's people who have incarcerated family they can't reach or kids that are push, getting pushed out of school and pushed towards prison or they can't trust that their drinking water is safe from fracking. Those are the folks we're reaching out to. Those are the folks we want to join and expand our ranks. And then down the line in 36 months or before 10 years has passed, we will have the numbers to get the 28th Amendment either by through House and Congress or we'll just have to force it to happen. Hard work, really hard work. Today on the Janice Adams Show, our guest has been George Friday, co-convener of movetoamend.org. Our thanks to her and to you for joining us today. For more about today's show, including links to Move to Amend and the Supreme Court's 2010 Citizens United decision, visit my website, JaniceAdams.com. That's J-A-N-U-S Adams.com. From the studios of WJFF Radio Catskill, post-production Jason Dole, this show is a production of Janice Adams, LLC, all rights reserved. Trying to make it real compared to what...